Amen. What a blessing. Thank you, Tim and Mrs. Young. I appreciate that. Wasn't that a good song? Yeah, it was a blessing. Open your Bibles again to Exodus chapter 2 and mark your place there. We're going to look at several verses as we go through the first part of the message this morning. I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, Redeeming Wasted Years. Redeeming Wasted Years. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to be in church today. And Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help our minds and attention to be given. And Lord, there, may there be a hunger for spiritual truth that will help us in the week ahead. I pray, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to fill me and to use me, and I yield myself to you the best way I know how as I preach this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When you think of the life of Moses, there are many great stories and events uh, and accomplishments in Moses' life. Uh, we think of Moses and uh, the Ten Commandments. We think of Moses, the great leader of the people of the children of Israel. Uh, we think of Moses as the one that God gave the first five books uh, of the Bible. We think of a lot of major events in the life of Moses. Moses was not a preacher. Uh, he was a man of great faith. Uh, Moses was a leader and perhaps the greatest leader of the Old Testament, there, though there are many examples of leadership uh, in the Old Testament. However, in this passage of Scripture... Uh, Moses makes a terrible mistake. In fact, he does wrong. In fact, he commits a crime. And he has to pay for his wrongdoing. It may be a part of his life that uh, we overlook in the life of Moses. However, Moses, when he makes this mistake, as we read, uh, he does not quit in life. He doesn't give up. He actually redeems himself and he redeems the wasted years. Let me give you just a little bit of an outline of Moses' life. Moses was born at a time when the king or the pharaoh of Egypt recognized that the Hebrews were rapidly growing and he had a fear of them. He had a fear that his slaves would outnumber his people and would eventually take over the land of Egypt. And so Pharaoh, being the wicked man that he was, he decided that they would kill all of the male children that were born. Notice, if you will, in Exodus chapter 1 and look at the end of the chapter, verse 22. And Pharaoh charged all the people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. He wanted to keep his slaves. He wanted to control the population, so he had all of the male children, they were killed. I want you to notice what happens in the birth of Moses in verse number 1 of chapter 2. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife uh, and, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. 
Now that would be exciting except this son is born at a time when all the boys are being uh, uh, murdered. Uh, by the way, uh, what this uh, wicked crowd is doing to abort and murder uh, unborn children is no less uh, wicked uh, than what the Pharaoh of Egypt uh, was doing. The Bible said she conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. You see the picture. Here's a woman who has a son and she knows that Pharaoh's soldiers are going to require that this boy be killed. And so she makes him a basket and she puts him in the basket and puts that basket in the water by the bulrushes. Now she has a sister. Our Moses has a sister and she is watching from a distance as mom brings the baby in the basket and puts it in the water. It's an interesting thing as we see the providence of God. Let me make a statement right here that's not the message but I believe is very important. Providence, is, providence means divine dealings. It means God working in a person's life. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. God doesn't just work in certain people's lives. God's working in your life. It's not just on Sunday, but the activities and events and things that happen in your life during the week. God is working, and we need to be looking for the providence of God working in our lives. God cares about His children. God cares about you, and God works in our life. Notice what happens. I love the story. And the daughter of Pharaoh, now Pharaoh's the one <clears throat> that's having all the boys killed, came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, now, this sister's been watching all along. She's been watching. She couldn't take her eye off of her little baby brother uh, that's in this basket. And she wonders what's going to happen uh, as this uh, daughter of Pharaoh uh, came down. Notice verse 7. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call the uh, nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Isn't that good? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. You think God's not in control? Pharaoh said, no deliverer's going to be born in my watch. God said, I'm going to I'm going to have him born in your watch. You're going to pay for his nurse. In fact, you're going to pay his own mother to take care of him. And this crowd that's so wicked that we sometimes get afraid of, you understand something. They can't live and breathe without God giving them breath. God's in control. Let's not forget that. Verse 10, And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. 
and she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. Now, there is a period of time that takes place between verse number 10 and verse number 11, the Bible says, and it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown. Uh, so Moses is now grown. Maybe he's 20, maybe he's 25 years old. Uh, he went out unto his brethren. And now he is uh, the son of Pharaoh, and uh, he, Pharaoh's daughter, and he goes out and he is watching now. And uh, the Egyptians, of course, are the slave masters, and the Hebrews are slaves. And he sees an Egyptian smiting or mistreating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. Look at verse 12. And he looked this way and that. When he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. He just covered him up. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said to him uh, that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? Notice this now. And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now this is a part of Moses' life many may not recognize or know what's going on. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, this thing he, he, he uh, sought to, to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Moses is a fugitive. Moses is a criminal. Moses has killed a man, and he leaves Egypt, and he goes down to Midian. That's an interesting story. When he gets down there, there's a priest that has some daughters and they're getting water from a well and the shepherds come and they run them away and Moses, he goes and he takes up for the priest and his daughters. He said, you shepherds, leave these gals alone and let them drink water. Now you'll find in the story that the priest gave him one of the daughters as a wife. So, fellas, if you're single and somebody's broke down inside the road, you ought to help them this week. <laughs> you ought to be helping the men, right? Those of us that have daughters, we could use some help. In fact, I've got a couple of repairs at my house that need to be done. And, huh? But I want you to understand something. Here's something that very few people see. Moses is a fugitive. We know what happens later, but may I say, Moses is not seeking God in Midian. He is seeking to get away from Pharaoh. He doesn't want to be killed. He doesn't want his life to be taken because he has killed an Egyptian. He has taken his life and buried him in the sand. Now, the reason I mention all of these events this morning that took place in the life of Moses and as recorded here in this chapter is you and I need to be looking for the providence of God in our lives. Now, we don't understand everything that God's doing, but hey, folks, God's working in your life today. God's working in the life. He's working in the life of the obedient, but I'm glad God doesn't stop working in the life of the disobedient. Do you see that today? Some folks have this idea. Well, I can understand God helping the preacher out. 
I can understand God helping those folks that uh, they work full-time at the church, but God's not just interested in us. God's interested in every person. God's interested in your life today. And so Moses, he is in Midian. I do not believe there are any events in our lives that we ought to ignore the working of God. Well, Moses is a fugitive, and he wasted 40 years of his life. He didn't live in Midian because he planned to. He didn't live in Midian because he was seeking the Lord. He's running. The next major event we see in the life of Moses is God using Moses to deliver and lead the children of Israel, the Hebrews, out of Egypt, out of slavery, to the land of Canaan, the land of the victorious Christian life. That's what Canaan represents. And when we look at the story, it's an amazing thing. As Moses, if you know the scripture, he sees a bush that's burning and he goes to the bush and he sees the bush burns and it burns and it's not burned up and it burns and it burns and it's not burned up. And in that burning bush, God speaks to Moses and he tells him, I have a will for your life. I want you to go back to the land of Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go and I want you to lead those people from Egypt to the land that I have prepared for them in the land of Canaan. You know what Moses did the next 40 years? He redeemed the 40 years that were wasted leading the people of God. Who better could tell someone how to survive running who better could tell someone how to survive and make it through the wilderness as Moses had fled not in wealth and not in prosperity but he fled running from his crime as a fugitive and God used him to lead the children of Israel I'm going to ask you a question what will we do with our wasted years Perhaps you've had some years in your life that you didn't do right. Perhaps not a criminal. Perhaps not running from a crime, but out of the will of God. Perhaps you had some years that you did not know Christ as Savior and you ran from the gospel. And you ran not only from the gospel, you ran from the will of God. Years that should have and years that could have been used for the Lord and yet they were wasted Years. Let, let me stop and say, though God bless Moses out of this time, I want to say, young people, don't waste years of your life out of the will of God. Don't say, well, I'll go sow my wild oats and I'll come back and serve God. Not everybody comes back. Now, I'm not promoting this morning wasted years. What I'm promoting is don't waste your wasted years. Learn something from your wasted years and help somebody else to get to the place of victory in their life. Uh, keep them from having the hurt you've had and the pain you've had and the broken life that you've had and help them to know joy and victory in their life. Can I tell you something? I don't want to know the hurt and the pain of alcoholism and drugs and the addictions to the immoralities of the world. I don't want to know those pains. I don't want to know those hurts. I've heard of the testimonies and I've read of the testimonies that are recorded in the Bible. I want to say, young people, don't waste any years of your life. Absalom died in his years of rebellion. Samson died in his 
years uh, uh, that were wasted and away from the will of God. Thankfully, Moses lived through the years as a fugitive, those many years. And Moses gave his life uh, uh, to the will of God and he helped to redeem the wasted years. What will we do with our wasted years? You say, I'm not Moses. Now I know, but God is your creator like he made Moses. 1972 to 1974, Richard Nixon was the president of the United States. And as a result of what became known as the Watergate scandal, he was forced to resign from office. One of his political advisors was an attorney by the name of Charles Wendell Colson. He was named one of the Watergate Seven. He was sentenced to a maximum security prison in Alabama for obstruction of justice. And in his early 40s, while in prison and paying for his crime, someone came to the prison and gave him the gospel. And he trusted Christ his Savior at that maximum security prison in Alabama. He believed very soon after his conversion that all of this had happened to him and him, him being caught for his crime and going to prison was actually a blessing from God because it helped him to stop in his conniving and the political work that he had done that was crooked and to realize there is a life to live. And Charles Wendell Colson who's known as Chuck Colson, started the prison fellowship so men could not only come to know Christ as Savior, but to know they had a purpose in life. Sometimes we don't learn from what the Bible says. Sometimes we have to physically learn. I'm praying for folks today that are out of the will of God. Oh, they're happy and having a grand old time and they haven't yet fallen in their sin. They haven't yet, yet felt the pain of their sin. And some won't listen to the preacher. Some won't listen to their parents. Some won't listen to the word of God and they go out and sin. And the sin, by the way, sin will always bite you. Sin will always hurt you. Sin will always shame you. Thank God that Moses came to the place in his life, dear friend, that he realized those years were wasted, but God had given him an opportunity to lead the children of Israel, and he redeemed his wasted years. I think of King David and what David said in Psalm 119. You see, David had some wasted years. Sometimes we get the blessings of God to the place that we could never do wrong or we could never fall or we could never fail. But David came to a place that he made foolish and bad decisions and it cost him a great deal of joy. It cost him a great deal of gladness. But David learned from those wasted years. He learned from those bad decisions. He learned from that foolish behavior. And he said in Psalm 119 and verse number 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. Now he wasn't saying it's good for me that I went into sin. He said it's good for me God gave me a good whipping and let me know that's not the way to go in life. 
And he said, I'm not going to waste that affliction. I'm going to tell others. I'm going to warn others. And that story is in the word of God. And it works to help us. It is there to help us in our life. I want to say this morning, uh, if you have years that are wasted, what have you learned from that? And what can you do to help someone else out of those difficult times? What about rebellion against your parents? Wasn't worth it when you got old enough to realize your parents were smarter than you. Isn't it some, something how dumb your parents are until you're about 21, 22, and all of a sudden they become wise overnight, and the older you get, the smarter your parents are? What we learn from our rebellion against God what we learned from the time that we robbed ourselves, even in Sunday school and church, but didn't pay attention and just went along for the fun and didn't pay attention to the scripture and the songs that would help us and strengthen us. And Satan took advantage of weakness and he worked to ruin a life. What are you going to do with your wasted experiences? My father was saved as an older teenager, but he spent several of his years of his life running from the will of God. He was a saved man, a young married man with one child but away from God. And as he would testify of those years, and he would not talk about them in detail, because I, and, and I, I never knew of the behavior that he got in other than him to tell me, son, those were hard years. And the years away from church and the years away from God those were costly years and those were times of discouragement and even depression. Thank God for the preacher that kept coming to visit him on a Thursday evening and finally got him to church. And when he went to church, he got mad at the preacher because the preacher preached against all of his sins. He said, I'm not going back. He kept visiting him. He came back again. When he came back again, the preacher preached against all of his sins again. He kept getting mad, but he, but he realized the preacher loved him and cared for him, and finally the day came he got right with God. And he gave his life to the Lord, and he gave everything he had. Uh, he gave his family. He gave uh, everything he had to the Lord, and he started the Bible Baptist Church in Hazard. be 50 years in this coming uh, July. I was thinking this morning of how many churches have been started because of him redeeming those wasted years and how many folks have been saved and how many lives have been changed. I want to say this morning, you can let those years be wasted years or you can say, I'm going to learn from those years and I'm going to tell another boy. I'm going to tell another girl. I'm going to tell another teenager. I'm going to tell another family. Stay away from the things that will ruin and destroy your life. Moses spent 40 years running from his crime, a fugitive. There are three things that I have written here I want you to get a hold of, and I, I want to get your attention again if you've gone off into a daze and not listening to me. I want to say, first of all, I'm glad Moses didn't quit. Sometimes the devil takes you to a place and you say, well, life's not worth living, I quit. I want to say this morning, don't you quit on God. Don't you quit on life. If you've fallen, that's all right. The just man falleth seven times and yet he riseth again. I say this morning, get up again. The second thing I notice here, God didn't stop calling Moses for a place of service even though Moses wasn't where he was supposed to be. 
God didn't forget Moses. God hadn't forgotten you and those that are watching me today. God hasn't forgotten you. And if you're away from God, you know there's no joy and there's no gladness and there's no peace inside your heart and soul. And today, you need not quit on God because God hasn't quit on you. Then I want to say we ought to listen to those that can instruct us from wasted years. You know, the rich man didn't much believe in the gospel or church or soul winning until he went to hell. It's amazing what he believed in hell. You know what, what the rich man said? He said, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and, and, and cool his tongue. But then he said, I have five brethren. Send somebody to warn them lest they come to this awful place. I want to say this morning, we don't have to wait. You don't have to wait until life is gone. If there's experiences in your life that were wasted and painful, you ought to be an encouragement and a help to somebody else. By the way, we ought to listen. There's no need to be an Absalom again. We know what happens when you rebel against authority. There's no need to be an Absalom. We know what happens uh, to a Samson that won't listen to his parents and won't listen to the instruction that, that God has given. We know what happens. We'll listen to them. The prophet Joel, a prophet to the nation of Israel at a time of punishment. And in every, in every even prophecy of judgment, there's always hope. And I love the words in the book of Joel where he says, And I will restore to you the years the locust hath eaten. I want to tell you something. We serve a good God today. And I don't care where you are. God loves you today. But he wants you to serve him with your life. Don't, don't, don't wait until sin brings you to the place of so much pain that you can't do anything else and you start bargaining with God. Take what you have in life today and say, I want to give my life to serve God. I want to give my life to be of help to somebody else in life. Moses redeemed wasted years. Stand with me this morning. What have you learned from the wasted years? Redeem those. Redeem those. Do something to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Many of our bus workers today were children that didn't get to go to church. They grew up in a difficult life and they realized somebody has to tell those children there's hope in Christ. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Him today. If you're here today and you've been saved and you've not yet been baptized, you ought to be obedient to Christ in believer's baptism this morning. Heavenly Father, as we begin the invitation time, some need to look back at their life and say, Now, Lord, what can I do to help someone else and keep them from wasting years as I have? Thank you, Lord, that you don't forget us even when we're not in your will. And Lord, help us to see the providence of God, the working of God in our lives. Lord, help us to see that you love us and you want us to serve you. Lord, in a world that's so dark, in a world that's so filled with sin and confusion, 
We need every Christian to be salt and light in our day. I pray that you'd bless our invitation. I pray, Lord, for those that you're speaking to the heart, they need to surrender their life to you. I pray they would do that this morning. Work in our invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.